You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast, now on Google Play. With Josh Long, Legal and Regulatory Editor. Brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas. Good afternoon. This is Josh Long with Natural Products Insider. I'm on the uh, phone this afternoon with Sandra Eskin of the Pew Charitable Trust to talk about the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994 and an initiative that uh, FDA has proposed to Congress. Sandra, thank you very much for uh, spending a few minutes with us. Thank you for having me. So let's, uh, let's, let's start with a basic question. What is it that uh, Pew Charitable Trust does and what is it that you do over there at the organization? Pew is a public charity. The funds come from trusts from the sons and daughters of the founder of Sun Oil. We work on a broad range of public policy issues, criminal justice reform, ocean conservation, food and supplement safety. And we use evidence-based solutions to solve today's most pressing problems. I work with the team on what's called our healthcare products project, and I focus on dietary supplement safety. Thanks a lot. So let's, let's start at a high level. The Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994 has been on the books for uh, 25 years come October, and you focus on safety. So in your view, is, the, is that law adequate to protect consumers? I think this is a good time to uh, reassess the law and whether it strikes the right balance between access to products and ensuring safety. So I think we believe that there are some changes that could be made by legislation that would enhance protection of supplement consumers. Great, and and I want to get into that in a second, but some of the uh, industry people that I've I've been speaking with say, you know, their uh, argument is that by and large, the uh, dietary supplement industry is safe. We haven't had a lot of outbreaks like you see with, you know, in in the conventional food world. Uh, Your response to that? Like I say regarding the conventional food industry, products are generally safe, but they could be safer. Okay. I appreciate that. So let's move on to... uh, this this proposal that's circulating within the industry and even outside of the industry, FDA in its budget request to Congress re- recently raised the idea of being given explicit authority to require that dietary supplement products be listed with the agency. Your thoughts on that? We support mandatory product listing. If you look at the industry over the last 25 years. Estimates in 1994 with that there were 4,000 products. And today in 2019, there are 80,000 or more. And in order for FDA to be able to effectively exercise the authorities that uh, Congress has given them, they have to get a good sense of what's in the market, what the various products are, how they are being um, sold, And the only way FDA can do that is to have this basic information about products. 
What's the name of the product? What are the ingredients? They need to see the label because there's no pre-review of the label. And in fact, we would also want them to be able to uh, indicate by which pathway a uh, particular ingredient uh, was um, was it was put into the into the the product, whether it was grandfathered, a pre-1994 ingredient, or a, a new dietary ingredient under the law. Okay, that's an interesting concept. Now. Um... Would your proposal be that a company would have to provide evidence, for example, that it is a grandfathered, you know, some documentation, evidence that it submitted an NDI, evidence that it was in the conventional food supply and therefore exempt because it wasn't chemically altered, or is it just this is our safety basis, but they're not, they don't have a duty to provide the actual documentation of it? Well, certainly for an NDI, that documentation is already required by law. Grandfathered, it's not required, so I don't think we would anticipate going beyond that. And as you, as you say, we would just want the company to attest to what process they used. And how do you think that would be uh, ultimately beneficial for FDA and just public safety in general? Well, certainly when you're dealing with so many products, this would allow FDA to get a, a comprehensive view of the marketplace. Obviously, it's constantly changing. Um, if, in fact, you're dealing with a product that has a novel ingredient, this would allow FDA to focus on those products. And if there's a product, there's a problem with one product with this novel ingredient, they would hopefully quickly be able to identify what other products had it. Uh, it would be very useful for uh, consumers because they would have some confidence. You know, if a, it seems uh, pretty much common sense that if a company would be willing to sell a product to a consumer in the marketplace, they should be able to provide that very same information to the agency. Uh, and, and certainly for retailers, um, ha knowing that a product is on FDA's radar screen, I think is also very useful for them. Okay, appreciate that. Um, would you, would your organization propose that FDA be given any additional enforcement powers beyond what they already have as it relates to mandatory product listing or no? If the law were amended to include a mandatory product listing requirement, then as is the case with all other mandatory requirements, any company that failed to meet that requirement could be subject to enforcement. They would be violating the law. Thank you, Sandra. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, does this proposal um, have uh, legs? I mean, I, I, Scott Bass with Sidley Austin, a law firm in Washington, I'm, I'm sure you know him. He suggested last year that there was a lot of organizations, um, I don't think he mentioned your organization, but uh, certainly you guys are, are, are part of this discussion that we're really supporting this this idea and that it was it was going to get some legs in the Congress. Um, does it have any legs in the Congress today? At last week's meeting at FDA on responsible innovation, a number of industry groups mentioned support for, for a mandatory product listing, as did we and other nonprofit groups. Our hope is, is that we will be able to uh, develop a, a broad-based group of 
organizations that would push for this new requirement. Is this something that would be imminent, getting something together, or is this more of a long-term strategy? I think we would begin with a plan to try to get legislation enacted in this session. We are looking at any possible vehicles that involve FDA regulation that could be appropriate, but if that doesn't turn out to be the case, we would certainly continue our efforts into the next session. And to your knowledge, has anybody actually um, had conversations with FDA about their authority to require this now without going to Congress? I mean, they suggested that they don't necess- they don't have explicit authority to do this. In our conversations with the agency, they said they don't have the authority to require it at this time. Okay. And to your knowledge, has anybody actually met with people uh, lawmakers or their staff in Congress and, and, and said, we need to do this? Or is it too yes. early for that? It's okay. not too early, and conversations have happened. What do you see as like the biggest hurdle to actually getting Congress to vote on something like this and get it passed through both both chambers, get it on the president's desk? I mean, I know it's a long way away, but how, how do you get from an idea like this to an actual law? Well, again, the first I think the first step is to marshal as much support as you can from a wide range of stakeholders, obviously, number one. Number two, you find a, a champion who's willing to put in a bill and hopefully to get some bipartisan support. Perhaps one of the easier ways to get a bill um, through the process is to try to amend it to a must-pass bill, a bill that we know is going to um, is going to get enacted, ideally that involves FDA. But as you also know, there are any number of paths that a legislative provision can take to get to the goal line or over the goal line. Yeah, appreciate that. One final thing, do you have uh, just any general uh Conclusion remarks about Deshay, whether, in your view, the law has been effective or not, from your organization standpoint. Sure. We know that the goal of the law was to enable the industry to grow. There was a concern that there was undue burdens on uh, the supplement industry. Clearly, that goal has been met or even exceeded when you look at the number of products that are in the market. Again, 4,000 or so in 1994, and 80,000 or more today. The key safety component of DSHEA is part of the new dietary ingredient process, right? Reasonable assurance of safety. We do know, I think it's widely accepted that this particular process for getting uh, ingredients on the market has not been used as much as either we thought it should or certainly then it should. And again, the meeting last week at FDA highlighted agencies thinking or tried to get some input from stakeholders for the agency how they could incentivize use of this new dietary ingredient process. So that's troubling. Um, There's lots of ways that new ingredients have entered the market without following this process, whether following no process at all or 
using the grass process. Uh, I think that their recent concerns, safety-wise, a lot of it is focused on painted products, supplement products that contain active pharmaceutical ingredients, banned ingredients, and certainly FDA has been taking, uh, trying to take action against them, warning letters. So I think it's important to figure out how to give the NDI process more, more teeth, to reinvigorate it, to get companies to use it, to enhance safety. And certainly, um, we think that uh, the, uh, a mandatory product listing requirement could help FDA at least isolate the companies that are selling tainted supplements um, because, again, if a product is being marketed and it wouldn't be on FDA's list, FDA could take action. So um, we see opportunities both at the agency level and also legislatively to provide consumers with better assurances of safety for these products. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you've just been listening to Sandra Eskin of the Pew Charitable Trust talk about Deshay, over FDA's oversight of dietary supplements, and this uh, intriguing idea of a mandatory product listing requirement in the law. Um, thank you very much, Sandra, for the time. This episode has been brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas.